guys. Let's get started. Hey, we got uh, this week and one more. We got this week. Next week will be the last week in this last book. Uh, intersections, intersections of prayer. And then we will go, and uh, Brent asked me about it, and I, I sent it to you. It's Relationships by Robert Morris, and, and, and the word relationship, it's got a T in in there. All right, if I can if I can figure out how to do it on group me, I'll send it to you again. And you can get a digital download. What was it, stand for a dollar? Is that what I said? Yeah. A digital download of the sermons, man, for a dollar. If you spend any time in the vehicle you like to listen to something, you can just or you can get them and listen to them. They're just a, they're a dollar. We buy, we, we'll go up here today and buy a frappe or whatever they call them things for $10. And we buy a dollar for this 10 times. And uh, it's, new, it's, it's, it's about the Ten Commandments and how they relate to relationships. We've, all, we've, we've heard the Ten Commandments, listen to them, and heard people preach them, but I've never heard anybody go from this perspective. So I, I've really enjoyed listening to them. Uh, you can find them, like Stan said, well, I go there on oneplace.com. That's a, I just, just some, some idea. Don't ask somebody. <clears throat> oneplace.com is a, is a website that has all kinds of preachers on there. You just put in Charles Stanley, Agent Rogers, David Jeremiah, Robert Morris, uh, Alistair Beck, whatever. And then their website comes up and everything that they preached on is on there. So you can go down to there and go to the archives, and you can just hunt and search and look and search. And you find a lot of stuff. Oneplace.com, and they have an app. And I, I've got it on my phone, uh, so I can just tap on it. And, you know, and I assume I don't, I don't, I don't do it much because I listen to the podcast of them. But uh, if you want to, you can do that and have access to a lot of different things. So we have this week and next week, and then we'll jump in there with Robert Morris about the Ten Commandments, which I, I, I found very interesting. Today we're in Matthew, of course, 6. Uh, we'll just be in that one verse. And this one is called the doxology of prayer. Let me read what uh, Jeremiah says here, and then I want you to... I got a question that goes with this statement. sentences here, so three, rather. I want to ask you something. Pay attention to this statement. I'm going to read the sentence I really want to focus on a couple of times, a couple of three times. And... Uh, I want you to. I want you to think about what this sentence says. Okay, right, page one fifteen in the book. If you got it, making our doxology, making our request known to God is part of the purpose of prayer. Here's the sentence. But if after presenting our needs to Him, we are still lacking His peace, we may need to remind ourselves of His greatness. Closing our prayers with a word of praise keeps our focus on Him. Now, this middle section, that middle sentence right there, and I'm going I'm to read this, and this is my question. What David Jeremiah mean by this statement? What does he mean by, but if, after presenting our prayers, our needs to Him, God, we are still lacking His peace, we may need to remind ourselves of His greatness. He makes such a statement of, after presenting our needs to him, we still lack our lack of his peace. Think about that, man. I do that all the time. All right. Brian said he does it all the time, and he's not telling what I do, too. That might be why we don't have peace, because of that word, chart. So today, let's let's focus on who who are we dealing with? Okay, really, I mean, when we pray, do do we do we wrap our minds around who we're talking to? You know, I mean, do we do we really comprehend who who we're who we're we're praying to? I don't know about y'all, man. I wish Kevin was here, but he because he his mother played the organ. I think about the girl when I was growing up. Still does, I think. She might. Not. I don't know. I don't know if one plays or not. Y'all remember the doxology? Valley Grove. That's right. Valley Grove. 
in the 60s when I was born, all the way up through the 70s. I don't know if it stopped early, it's probably 40 years ago. I don't know if when the choir would come in, they would sing the doctor. Everybody was standing at the same doctor's office. And I had a picture going, my father see these words. Bring, uh, bring a bell here. And I hope my phone's going to act up today. All right, here's the dialogue. Praise God when all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. That's why we started Valley Grove Service. I'm telling you, every Sunday, I guess until I was 20 years old, I guess. I don't know. It might have been older than that. 20 times 52. Couple thousand, man. You know, I mean, it was. It was Most people didn't have to have a book. No, I mean, no, no, we didn't have trains either back in those days. Believe it or not, we had a handbook, but no one needed. Did you have a response to Yes, yes. Brother Larry, who was our, you know, he's. I remember Brother Tate. Uh, I remember Brother Tyler and Brother Reddy. They were the pastors there before Brother came along. Brother Larry came when I was nine and seventy-four. Uh, but we would say, all right, we're going to say, I want you to turn to the back of the hymn book, number whatever, and we would have, we would have a responsive reading. He'd read with his old friend, he read it, or that person read it, or those are some of the things I remember. But the doc solids, let me read it again. When you hear this doc solids, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? Praise God whom all blessings flow. Praise him all prayers below. Praise him above, Holy Host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. When you listen to that, or when you hear those words, what comes to mind? It is praise God. Ask him. What's the focus in the in the doxology, the focus is on God. It's not my needs, not my wants, it's not my desires. It's nothing more than praise God from whom all blessings flow. Somebody define you. I know what the word doxology means. It's an expression of praise to God. So the Bible's full doxologies, but that's the one we, we always sing on it. Here's a question from David Jeremiah. What would happen if each believer carried with him or her a sense of the reality of God's presence in our lives? Think about that. If we carry a sense of God's presence that he's right here with us all day, every day, what would that bring to the table for a follower of Christ? Peace. Most of Probably a little less lack of That's what you're getting at. You know, I was in a valley grove. I, when I was a kid, you know, I, I was sitting with my dad, but when I got to be a teenager, you know, got the youth department, that's what we call it. I don't know what they call it now. We sat on a, looking at the uh, choir loft in the, in, the, in the pulpit up there. We sat on the left, my mother and dad on the far right. Never fail. Never fail. I'm telling you, I don't know why Daddy wouldn't pay attention, but if I ever just be sitting there, he's looking at me, man, all day, every day. I'm not we not clowning around up there. There's gonna be some questions I don't want to ask. So if I'm that cognizant, I'm that aware of my daddy, I mean, man, if them boys would be clowning around beside me. And I just kind of like, you know, and I look over, he's just staring at me, man. I mean, all day, every day. Now, don't forget these verses here. As I read these, as I read these, I want you, this is the question. What do these verses tell us about the reasons to praise God? Even when he's with us, and he's, he's there, and he's, he, he knows what we need and what we want, but he knows everything. What do these verses tell us about Reasons to praise God. Listen to this verse. Hebrews 13, 5. 
your conduct be without without covenant. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then the last one here, Psalm 22, 3. But you are whole, talking to God, enthroned in the praises of Israel. What about what do these verses tell us? Gives us what what, what are the what are the reasons to praise God? Go back to Hebrews. Last part, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What's the reason to praise God? He's not so you're not flying so you're not alone. You may be out alone, but you're not alone. I jot down, he never abandons us. Think about after you got saved. Now remember the doxology of prayer, the praise part of prayer. <clears throat> Take a friend that treated you. Like you treated God in that didn't hang around you anymore. I can't catch the curve. Have you not? So we need to praise him that he don't abandon Abandons. All right, go to James. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. What part of that part right there is praiseworthy? We need to thank him. He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. It's like the father of the prodigal son. How did he know he was coming? He's on the porch, man. He's paying attention. <clears throat> He's looking. He's wanting him to come back. That was praiseworthy. But you are enthroned in the praises of Israel. What does that mean? How are we praising from those verses? He's in there. He wants to be there, so he desires it, right? That's what I put together there. I'm in the midst of it. He's in the midst of it, so he likes it. He loves it. He, he wants us. Just think about yourself. I mean, don't you want to be patted on the back sometime and, and, and be encouraged? Not that God needs pat on the back or encouraged, but he wants us to look to him and, and to sit how does the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, start and end? Look at we're in Matthew 6. How does it start and end? Let's just read all of it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hallowed be our Father in heaven, hallowed be our your name. And then we go down there to verse 13, uh, the last part. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory for everything. What do those two sentences have in common? Praise. Praising God. Starts and stops. Starts and stops. I don't know about y'all, but I a lot of times forget those two parts. I get right in there and uh, he gives us this day our daily bread. You know, do not leave me in the tent. I, mean, I get right in there way. These are my needs. I jot it down. Our Father in heaven, I'll be your name. It's just all about praise. So, exactly. I mean, they go back to their, our, our big question. Uh, do we really understand who we are talking to? I think the biggest thing we miss is God has been trying to show them for 10 years. Prayer is supposed to be communication with God. We don't our request, but how many times we go to a movie, a band, or whoever, we make a request, we get three calls, and we get a walk away. But yet, did you not wait around for an answer? And I think that's our biggest life of peace is because don't stay there and wait. It's supposed to be a chance for him to reply to us. Well, you know, if we, we want to dump them on him and leave. Right? You know what they are now, Lord, take care. Just sit here and talk. Why, you know, back in those days, wanted to build an idol and bring 
Moses asked them why. They said, well, we wanted God that we could see like everybody else can see. And I never understood that. I thought, well, they want to know this God. And I'm just talking all I about that. If I saw God, like Toby sitting next to me right here, like y'all, there's a lot of things change because I can see it. And then you start looking back, and I know God's put signs and clouds and fire at night, and the snake head be healed. But once Jesus came, we don't have somebody that we can see, we have somebody in us. And I said, I'm thinking about that is if we really understood if God was really truly in us, it would be more prevalent just being able to see him because we were feeling. Kind of like me sitting in church. Once I figured out my daddy was watching me, my behavior changed. I've seen him. He'd come back, boy, I wouldn't want to be that to go back to my house over on Dark Lane. Now, it, I may not be here today. I just might not. You know, it's just once I what. Once, and I need to be reminded every day that the Lord is watching and he's there and he sees and he just gives a telltale account of me to the Lord's mercy on me that he has not taken me out. He loves us and he loves us and he knows everything about us. Go ahead, well, William. He knows it's so easy. You take it for granted. Oh, yeah. Take it for granted. Lord, help me make it through the day. You get halfway through the day, you're still standing. It's okay. My prayer is finished. Yeah. You'll start to think about what if he had extra prayer or what I think. It just makes it so easy not to not to follow what you ask and you receive and you move on. And like I said, you forget just exactly what you got when you when you ask. You have a good reason, and I do not do it. But to jot down prayers and answer prayers. Got down the date and time that you asked in prayer. You know, and just keep a little spiral notebook per se. I don't do it. It would be a great idea if I did. And then go back when that prayer was answered. Right here. January the 1st, 1980. <laughs> answered. You know, you take Jimmy Hayes. He told me one time he prayed for 14 years for his son to return to him so he could spend some time with him. If Jimmy had wrote it down, and then 14 years later, it was Wednesday night over yonder at the other place when he told me his son had contacted You know, you go over and write that day down and just go back to those prayers. Here's the day I asked, here's the day I answered. Just as a reminder. And you're ready to kind of get into this. Days, uh, we may not be here very long, but it don't, it, because there's not a lot of length to the lesson to me, there's a lot of substance. It might be short, but it's not unimportant. All right. The value of it is high, but the, the length of it, is, it may not be as long. And it might be, I don't know. Let me read this, and we got four points to the to the outline today. After all the things we bring to God in prayer, this is Jeremiah. If we do not conclude with a doxology of praise that recognizes his greatness, then we have missed out. We have missed part of the purpose of prayer. He says this, the closing words of this prayer teach us four major truths about God. And Jeremiah says, I truly believe that the four attributes of God described in this doxology, the last part of verse 13 there, are the things we most need to remember about God as we face uncertainty in our daily life. These things need to be reminded every day. Let's read verse 13 again, the last part. Yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Roman number number one, praise God for his sovereignty. Praise God for his sovereignty. What does sovereignty mean? I'm sorry? Stay as All right. Not the whole thing, but. Well, it's a supreme power. Supreme authority. Do we ponder enough God's sovereignty? Do we really understand how powerful He is? Do we really understand what His abilities are? We talked about them last week. We, we mentioned them a little bit. Here's just a few. Uh, he's the King of Jews, Matthew 2 2, 
He's king of Israel, Matthew 49. He's the king eternal. We're going to talk about eternity here in a minute. First Timothy 1.17, he's the king of glory in Psalms. He's the king of the saints in Revelation. He's the king of kings in Revelation. And he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. Do we ponder that part enough? I don't know. I don't care who the president is. They have somebody they answer to. Come here with this verse, Friday morning. Colossians 15. And you have been by him who is the head over every ruler and every authority. Well, we get all tore up. We get all tore up. Well, my bunch didn't win. Didn't my bunch won? I'm, 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 I'm cock the walk or whatever. Huh? The Lord's bunch. The Lord's in charge. It says in Romans, I believe, that the only way anyone becomes in charge is God's allows. He, 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 he allows. No government. Exactly. Let me read this. Do we? Uh, oh, I did. Now let me read this other part here. This is a pretty amazing paragraph of Jeremiah. And I want you to think about this. A critic might suggest that given the state of the world, Christ the King is not doing a very good job of running his kingdom. Someone might suggest they say that a lot out in the world. Okay, but please understand that one day Christ will uh, institute his kingdom over the kingdoms of this world, and he will rule and reign and bring order out of the present chaos. And you might think your personal life is a mirror of the world, out of control, uh, headed for calamity. Just when I think, Jeremiah says, just when I think things are rolling along smoothly and in control, something will happen that I would never could have dreamed of. And out of order comes chaos. But what a wonderful thing is to go to God in prayer, knowing that he is a sovereign, he is sovereign over my life, and, and, and not only my life, but all of creation. You talking about crazy events? Robin got a niece, he's three years old the other day, fell over dead. Lives up the road from her. He had a kid that went to kindergarten over here at, at my show. She's the lead cooker. Talked to a guy at football. I went up there to see Lee the other night, played for a half in Spain. Piedmont, by the way, will win the state championship. I was talking to her, and it's scored on Gary's board. And uh, I said, cool, man, what about Kevin's wife? He said, long story short, she was talking on the phone to a friend, and the friend heard the phone hit the floor. So she hung up, called uh, Kevin. Kevin was in the cater on his way home. He did that. Called Jimmy, who's his daddy, his, my daddy, my first cousin, Rodney's brother-in-law. They go, man, she's dead in the house. You talking about chaos? And when I got, went to work that day, never see her on earth. You know, I mean, you talking about chaos? Yeah, she built my house. Uh, eight or ten years ago. You know, you talk about chaos. My brother and woke up. I woke up one day, uh, uh, October 7, 1981, and my mother screaming down in the living room because my daddy was laying in the ditch down here because he got run over by a truck when he was running. You talk about chaos. And then let me read what Jeremiah says again. He says, but what a wonderful thing to know. Is that the wonderful thing to, is to go to God in prayer, knowing that he is sovereign. He is the authority over my life, and not only in my life, but all creation. He's the ex ex extreme authority over the United States of America. He leads to guess, guess what? He's over the Republicans and Democrats. And guess what? He's over the Ayatollah or whoever's over yonder. He's over Mousy Tong, but, you know, he's over. Kim Jong, or whatever his name is, too. And guess what? He was over Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini. 
And guess what? He was over Abraham Lincoln. And he's over me. He, he, he's so in control, he created the world, man. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. Let me see if I find what uh let me find where I'm at. In this crazy country we live in. Don't forget Daniel 4.17 says. Daniel 4.17. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence of the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of man. Now think about that. Now Daniel, y'all know Daniel. Y'all know the story of Daniel, right? Where did Daniel spend the majority of his life? As a slave. And Daniel writes down in chapter 4, verse 17, by the word of the Holy Ones, in order to, to, to that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. Guess what? As a slave, God was in control. He was so in control of Joseph when he was a slave and in prison, sold into slavery and put in prison for like 13 years, I believe. And then when he became number two in the country, guess what? He was still in control. That's how sovereign God is. Kind of a, it really blows my mind. And why in God's sovereignty would he allow such things to happen? Why would he allow horrible things to happen? If he's in control, you know, this is the work. These are applicable uh, questions for the world. You're going to get asked these if you'll stand up a little bit. If it's a good God, why do good things happen? Bad things happen to good people. you got to answer for that question. There's no good people. You know, I, I ain't ever done this. Well, you, you, you listen, the next statement you need to make is you're using the wrong measuring stick, cat. You know, measure yourself against me. Or, or Jim or Larry, whoever. You don't doubt we're 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 five offs. God says sin, he does not see sins. Exactly. That's what we're that's what we're exactly. So we all no one's but how do you answer that question? You know, how do you answer if, if God why in God's sovereign sovereignty would he allow such horrible things to happen? We know there's no good men, no good people. But why would, you know, why would he let a horrible thing happen? Like my nephew getting killed. Why, why would he allow that? A 16-year-old boy. Now, I mean, he might have been a knucklehead. Who ain't a knucklehead at 16? I think he's still a knucklehead, okay? I had not grown that. Go ahead, Doug. I'm sorry. Okay, there you go. I job is maybe to remind us of our need of him. Second thing I got down, his ways are not our ways. And I just put out there common, nor are his thoughts. Whatever happened, God has a plan. As, as bad as it might be right now, God has a plan. Yeah, he sees things. We're going to talk about eternity here in a second, and it's kind of mind-blowing to think about eternity when it's in relationship to God. But he sees, he sees the big picture. You know, he sees. I've heard several people preach, and they say he sees the creation of the world back six, seven thousand years ago, and he sees when New Jerusalem comes down. He sees all of it at once. Man, I can't comprehend. I, you know, that's above mine, but I've heard several people say that. that is, you ponder that. I jotted this down. Key to remember and never to forget. Go to verse six, uh, 13 again. Key to remember and never to forget. What's the model prayer say? For yours is the kingdom. The capital Y. He's king, man. He's in charge. My kids, when I used to tell them to do something, well, why? And I said, you know, I said, I'm not answering that. 
And Alice said, well, you know, you're kind of being a, you know, somebody say you might need to tell them why now. They just need to know sometimes they just need to do what I tell them. Do you get an answer why all the time? I don't. I ain't figured out yet why I had to pull for the finals in baseball in 99. I ain't figured that out. Other than the fact it humbled my rear end. I done got a little full of myself. You know, it just, I don't know why. I don't always get an answer why. You know, you, you, so what do you do? You just keep going. You, just, you know that God's in control. Do what Larry saw. My answer for my parents sometimes was because I said so. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's all you need to know is that daddy said so, and that's it. God said so, and that's it. You know, that might be a little cold, but, you know, it, 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 it sets us up not to be so whiny to it or something, I guess. I don't know. I just, I, just, I just want him to trust me, and God wants us to trust him because God is soft. That's a good thing. what I say to trust me. I always heard a preacher, especially like talking to an unbeliever, I think it's a good point. That's a common question they have. Is it's a hard question, right? But it can't be because he doesn't love us. Because that's what they come back to. It's how can he care? But you can't really say he lets bad things happen because he doesn't love us. Because you look at his son and what he asks his son. Well, yeah. I mean, why does bad things happen to good people? You name first of all, I want you to tell me a good person. And if you'll, if you'll think about it, let's go down to 10. We're going to study in a couple of weeks. You can't find a good one. You know, because if you think, well, I've never cheated on my wife. Everybody in here has looked at a woman and think, wow. And there's Holly's $2 pistol. You know. Yeah, so what does God say? You know, don't commit a death. What does Jesus say in the New Testament? If you have thought about it, you've done it. Jesus raised the standard, man. So you've, you're out, you know. So then you go back and you say, well, in Brother, in Brother Ted preached one time on those Ten Commandments. You know what he called? The Ten Love Letters. You think about that. He, God loved us so much that he gave us ten principles, ten, ten commandments, to prevent us from getting in trouble. What happens if you have another God before you? Go to hell. What happens if you uh, don't keep the Sabbath whole? You'll flame out. You don't take some time to rest, you know, and, 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 and just be, be rest. You can't work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you'll die. He loved us enough to tell us that. You've been lied to? It's not a bit of fun, is it? I mean, boy, I, I mean, lied to, you know, covet. What does covet bring to the table? Oh, man, the gamut just don't even stop. That's the first time, you know. So he loved us enough to do, to, to give us all those things. He loves us enough. When you got a whipping as a kid, what would your daddy say? The only reason I do this is because I love you. And I thought, daddy, man, that ain't no way. <laughs> Anybody loves him by do this, somebody. <laughs> hey, just, that, that don't even go on the same sheet of paper. And then John David and Hogan came along, and I figured out, yeah. And when I when the mama would come up there because I'd paddle the kid, and I didn't paddle him until I called after a while. I, I figured that out. But they better not give me permission one time. I ain't calling you. <laughs> they might take it back. You know. But I would always tell them, you know, I'm just trying to keep them out of jail. All I'm doing with disciplining children at school is keep them out of jail. You find out if you go to CarverCountyJail.com and look at I can go right over right now. I look last week, I think there's four or five kids I've talked to. And don't think that's a legal thing. I saw about five or six in there and went to this church right up there in that building. It's in there. That has been in there. I've, I've seen them everywhere. So, you know, they're just trying to keep them out of jail. You love them enough. God loves us enough. God is more concerned about our eternity than our happiness, time. 
That's what God is concerned about. Uh, Roman number number two, praise God for his power. I jotted down. Do we fully understand the power of God? And then, then give me some examples from his word of, the, of God's ultimate power. We, we talked about some of these last week. What's some examples in God's word about his power? What his abilities, his capabilities are? Resurrection. Resurrection. Conquered death. He's in control. He's in control. He's in control enough, Dalton, that he created the world. And look, he didn't have to break a sweat to do it. Come out of his mouth. What about that Red Sea incident? What about Abraham? Somebody mentioned, uh, I think Abraham maybe a while ago or something. We talked about it last week. We talked about a 100 year old and a 90 year old man. <clears throat> that nation of Israel came about. What about God's power in y'all's life? Does he work a miracle in y'all's life? I remember Steve saying one time that Amy was going to get some surgery and then they backed off. Did they not, Steve? Is that a miracle? She, they showed us Amy that she had in hospital. You're talking about like a day to do it, right? The yeah. surgery. Yeah. And what they say when they come back out? It's gone. I mean, it, it, is that a miracle? We saw it on X-ray. We, we saw it from Sunday. God's power. Anybody else got an example? Uh, I've said a couple of them. I'm telling you, man, you get down there on that business end when that baby's born. It is amazing. You got this guts for it. I mean, you know. I'm telling you now, and hey, guess what? I've seen an autopsy. I'm a man of all. Hey, so that's amazing. You, you, they, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll come back to you. You open that body up. It was a 14-year-old boy. This has been 40 years ago when I saw him. 35. He'd taken a 14 to the neck and he killed him. They did an autopsy. They opened his body up, man. You know, here's the heart and the lungs. You know, and the you know, and it's cold. I mean, here's the liver and that stuff, man. And God created all that. Go ahead, Woody. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I've seen a couple of cars that my daughter told about after the bottom shortly. I mean, just almost the first one there. And you look at the car and you say, Ain't nobody alive in that. And you see her standing there. The record I know y'all don't believe this story, and I've told it once or twice here, but this is the honest truth. I promise you. And in 84. Or 85, Carver County was playing Emma Sampson down at Gaston. Emma Sampson had Gene Jelks, Webhand, and Rose, Larry Rose. But, excuse me, might have been 84. But anyway, going down there, we go to Huntsville and pick up a guy. And on the way out of Huntsville, down toward Gaston, 431 or 231, I don't remember which one it was. South Parkway, I guess 431. We were doing 80 miles an hour. Derek Miner was driving. Derek Miner worked at NASA on the Black Hawk helicopter. He told me he's one of two people in the country that did what he did. He's pretty dick, I'm sure. If you're older. But anyway, we're going down that road. We're doing 80 miles an hour. I'm sitting in the back, man, just ready to get over to Gaston. And all of a sudden, Derek goes to the steering wheel, and the steering wheel does it, just like 100 miles an hour, just spinning like a top. And I look out the window, and our back rear, rear tires right up beside us here. Just nothing with it but a tire and a ring. And at 80 miles an hour, we that thing sits down like this. And it starts dragging, and, and we go back in by things, man. Upright, the whole nine yards. Tire rolls open. Me to Jerry stops right there. You don't think God had power? Man, people started pulling over the side of the road. Y'all right? You know, we, got, we saw all that. That's the only reason I'm alive, man. You know what? Out there by Ashmore's house, when I was 16, I rode a track. That boy's wife had died. His granddad, McCoy's uncle, tractor fell on him, didn't he, McCoy? He died from it. 16, God kept me alive. I was down in the ditch, bushhogging ditches for the county at 16. Can you believe they hired 16 year old to do that? I'm down in there, man, and that thing gets laying, and I just reach over and grab the roll bar and the steering wheel. Boom, down I go. 
I come up out of there, an old guy driving a truck was my daddy's first cousin. He'd come out of his eyes about the biggest, I'm talking about a salad bowl. Man, you all right? Yeah, I'm pretty good right now. You got any underwear? I might need a change here. I don't know, man. I'm scared crap out of me. And the only reason God's power kept me alive. That's the only, those, those are two just random instances. He had a purpose. He had a power. He, he healed Amy, Woody's daughter. He didn't quit. He's still in control. And I mean, we need to understand and realize that sometimes. When you think about the last paragraph, how does that make, uh, let me read page 120. I had that highlight. But <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, the Bible tells us that in the future when we are in heaven, there will not be any need for the sun or the moon. That's not it. Here we go. Often at the end of my prayers, when I realize I've asked some things beyond my ability, I rejoice when I realize, this is David Jeremiah talking about praising God for his power. I realize that, uh, that they are not beyond God's ability. Whatever the situation is, is not beyond God's ability. Lord, I've asked you for some pretty bad, big things today, he says, but yours is the power. Power resides in you, David Jeremiah says. He praises. The message we hear from the world is whatever the mind can conceive, man can achieve. And if, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Y'all heard that stuff before? Probably sounds pretty good to a person sitting around not knowing what to do with themselves. But for the Christians, it's basically heresy. Jeremiah says, I have little power, but God has all power. Don't ever forget that. And if it's going to be, it's going to be up to him. Not only does he have the power to bring things into existence, but to keep them out of existence as well. Kept Amy out of the operating room. Kept me out of the cemetery twice. That's not the only two times. You don't, you don't, this right here is stupidity, the essence. A lot of dumb things. And he says, Jeremiah says, and I have convinced, I have uh, conceived a lot of things in my mind that God in his wisdom and by his grace has kept me from having. He has the power to do both. Roman numeral number three, praise God for his eternity. Praise God for his eternity. What do you think Jeremiah means by praising God for his eternity? There's a limit to it, right? A limit either at the beginning or at the end. That's not praiseworthy. There's a lot of things that has a beginning and an end, right? Yeah, <laughs> including we had a beginning. We may not have an end, you know. We might have an end walking here on earth, but our soul goes not. Our soul is infinite from now on. But God didn't even have a beginning. <laughs> You ponder that? That's, man, my word, that's a little amazing. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's where Jeremiah gets this, forever. Do we contemplate the word forever much? You go over, and I think Madeline told me and I know that I, I, Annie was born April the 1st. And Aunt Madeline takes pictures now. She, she made this deal one time. She's not going to do it anymore. This lady wanted this woman having a kid wanted to come take pictures like in the delivery room. That's a matter. Not down there where you, I mean, you're not down there. No, they want me taking pictures of her and her husband holding hands and all that stuff. I said, man, I, I've been in there. It ain't a whole lot of love done going on in there. It's like you know, it's pretty rough, you know. And uh, she said, well, I told him, I said, I'm not doing that anymore because you don't know the duration of the labor. I think uh, Madeline was in labor with Annie for like 17, 18 hours. You know, and you might think at that point in time, well, my word, that's forever. That's over. But do we contemplate forever? Let me read Isaiah 57, 15, the first part of it, talking about uh, forever. Isaiah, oh yeah, yeah. 
And this is the message which I have heard from him and declared to you that God, that's not it. Oh, here we go. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the high and lofty one. I'm sorry. Thus this is Isaiah 57, 15a, first part. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits, who inhabits eternity. Isaiah said God inhabits eternity. You want something to blow your mind. Think about God inhabiting eternity. Well, how long does that go? Well, there's not ever been a beginning to it. Oh. Why is it not a beginning to it? I don't know, man. You just have to ask God. He was there. Well, when does it end? It don't end. Brother Larry used to tell us eternity business out there about to go. He said, "You to give you an example, you take one bird, he flies from the East Coast, gets one grain of sand, takes it all the way to the West Coast from, uh, say, Virginia to, to California, drops that grain of sand. He does that to all the sand up and down from Maine to the Key West. There's no sand on those anymore. He's taking that bird, is taking all that sand one grain at a time to California and the West Coast and drop it off. He said, eternity hadn't even started. Wow, man. That's crazy. I don't know. What is, what is, what is it uh, amazing? When we've been there 10,000 years? It is. It's forever. We don't really, we don't really. We're in such a microwave drive-through time that we, we forever just don't even register with us. They don't for me. All right, let me go here. I forgot one. I knew I forgot something. The scribes were praised and have it in, in turn. All right, let me go back up here to Roman number. I'll skip one. His Majesty, then I'll shut up. All right, His Majesty. Yours is the kingdom. We talked about that. And the power, we talked about that. We talked about forever because I skipped number three, the glory, his majesty. When you think of the majesty of God, somebody describe it for you. Can you imagine what God's going to look like, what Jesus is going to look like when he comes back on that horse that's in Revelation? Talk about the holy city and 12 foundations, those pearls, those, those pearly gates, the gates are, are hewn out of one big pearl. Right, it, will be. And it won't be a son because God allowed it just his essence just his, just his presence I knew I'd skip a bunch I couldn't find the verse Psalm 104 here verse 2 says who cover yourselves with light as with a garment who, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain he he did he he his majesty he stretched out the heavens and he gives light. Just 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 for a being. John 1 5 says, This is the message which we have heard from him, Jesus, and declared to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. It just it just it's nothing. Don't you look forward to a day when, there, when there's not any sorrow, any tears to wipe away, and God is just, God is in control, and, and, and it's just, you don't have these thoughts. You don't have to answer those questions like, hey, one of those bad things happened to good people. You know, God's taking care of it. It'd be a good day. Let me read 120 here. I'm just about through uh, Isaiah 57 15 says that God inhabits eternity. Now, just think for a moment about your house, however big or small. You inhabit your house. There are walls in your house by which you are bound. Your house has is a limited domain, Jeremiah writes, and it's only as so big and no bigger. The, confine, uh, the confines of your house measure out in the limits of your kingdom, power and glory, humanly speaking. The Bible says that God lives in a house called eternity. He lives within the boundaries of eternity. How far back is eternity? 
as far as you can think. And then even further back than that. Eternity is forever. There never was a time when eternity and God were not. And how far is eternity into the future? How far does it reach? On and on and to the eons of the future. There will never be a time when eternity or God cease to be God. God is eternal. I jot this question down and we won't do for it because I've already screwed it up. When you think about the last paragraph, how does that make the world seem today in comparison? You know, in today's world, we're looking, we're looking for the next election. We're, ne- we're looking for the next season. You know, we're looking for we're looking we're looking for the next coach. We're looking for something better. You know, we're looking for you know we're looking down the road, the next vehicle. You know, whatever. You compare. You know, why are you looking? Because you're not satisfied with the one you got. When it comes to God, you don't have to look. Man. He's he's. He's it. He is, what does it say? The kingdom, yours is the kingdom and the power. And I, I apologize for butchering glory forever. But yours is the glory and it's forever. Period. Amen. Period. It's like just nothing else we said. That's it. You know, that's it. Nothing else needs to be said. I really screwed up by getting him out of order. I don't know why. Got the yak and not paying attention. Does anybody have any questions about the docs out of the praise? We need to praise him. He's in control. Nothing gets by. Nothing is allowed to happen that he don't touch. So Lord, prayer with you. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for being powerful, being majestic, and being forever. Being praiseworthy and being in control. None of these situations catch you off of. And God, you're so powerful that you, you can heal any of them just for the thought. God, that's our prayer that every one of these prayer requests be answered to, to our heart's desire. And God, as we rest. That's all we're charged to ask, God, we're asking. God, keep our eyes on you and our ears on you. And God, so our so our, our eyes don't wander and, and, and the enemy come in and try to thank you for these praise reports. And God, I thank you for these dudes in here, Lord. I enjoy this every week. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for Jesus, your sweet name.